What is up, Cyber and Crypto friends? Hope everybody had a great week this week. Today is Friday, February the 21st of 2020. And this is episode 103 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this show are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so we got some fun stuff this week that's popped up, so I definitely want to talk about some of the latest news. Uh, For the sidebar topic today, also going to talk about MDR, EDR, all the fancy buzzwords, and what's missing from MDR and EDR. So we all hear managed detection and response or endpoint detection and response from companies all over the place. But there's a huge part of that that's missing. So I'm going to get into that a little bit too for our sidebar topic. As far as news-related stuff, in cybersecurity, we're going to talk a little bit about a gas station in Croatia that was hacked. Also going to talk about a U.S. natural gas company. And they got hit with some ransomware. We'll talk a little bit also about the Citrix hack that happened a little while back. Uh, We'll touch on Facebook and then kind of privacy-related stuff. Uh, We'll talk about Germany and what they want to do with uh, social media. One of my favorite things in the world, there's another warning that was issued by Department of Homeland Security, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Ring Doorbells and what's going on there. We're also going to talk about the DISA or the DOD and what happened with them recently. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Voorhees and what he's saying about uh, the financial industry. Also going to talk about a new Ethereum-based video game that just came online. We'll touch briefly on Bitcoin Gold and what's going on with it. We'll also talk a little bit about Libra. Another interesting one here was the uh, flash loan attacks that happened recently, so we'll talk about that as well. We'll also talk about Coinbase and what they're doing with Visa now. And last but not least... There is a Forbes article that claims that there is a huge blow to Bitcoin and there's a significant U.S. crackdown that was suddenly revealed. So we'll talk about that as well. All right. So those are all the topics for today. So we can just jump right in here. So I guess I'll start with the sidebar topic for today. MDR and EDR. Managed detection and response, endpoint detection and response. So those are are great, right? Everybody's got the latest and greatest. They're, everybody is the best at MDR and EDR. That's all well and good. The I've been meeting with a lot of these vendors here recently. That's why it's on my mind. The biggest thing missing from all these MDR and EDR uh, vendors is they have no way to help you actually mature your cybersecurity program. There's no way that, you know, just having an MDR or an EDR is going to make your overall cybersecurity program any better. Uh, Of course, it's one little 
layer, I guess you could say, in that program. But the cybersecurity program itself is way more important than just one little piece. Of course, you have to have a piece like that. You definitely want that. But some of the companies that are charging for this stuff, I mean, they're charging all kinds of money. And it's it's quite outrageous, really. And I think, well, if we're going to pay you all that money, wouldn't it also be beneficial for, for them to help you know, push the cybersecurity program forward as well. Uh, but so far, haven't found any companies that really do that. At least none of the MDR or EDR companies out there. So there are other companies that do this type of thing. Uh, Ziston is one of them, Z-Y-S-T-O-N. Uh, they do cybersecurity program management as well as some of the MDR related tasks. So that's one company that's actually helping with the cybersecurity program itself, not just MDR, EDR. It's shocking to see how many of these MDR and EDR companies there are out there, and they're just charging out the wazoo for this stuff. And of course, they have to bundle in whatever antivirus or anti-malware solution that they want you to use. So sometimes depending on the EDR provider or MDR provider, you might be locked into one particular antivirus product and you may or may not even like that product. Silence is a good example. I'm not a huge fan of that. So if I got a, an MDR or EDR company, I wouldn't want to be forced to use Silence anymore, you know? So anyway, that's always the biggest thing that's missing in my perspective, from all of these MDR and EDR companies, nobody's really helping you with your overall program. But you have to spend a ton of money with them just to get uh, MDR services. So anyway, it's on my mind here recently because that's all the folks we've been talking to. And uh, it's just really mind-boggling how much they want to charge. And it's only this one small piece. Uh, as everybody knows, phishing is still the biggest attack vector. So, I mean, just because you have MDR doesn't mean you're protected from phishing, right? So you can't blow all your money on MDR and then have no uh, phishing protection. That's not going to work. So anyway, there's obviously a fine balance in there somewhere, but I would just find a lot of that stuff fascinating. And if you have enough people on staff, you may not even need an MDR or EDR company, right? You just put on whatever AV tool that you want to use, and then you can have internal people manage that part of it. So there are other options out there. All right, jumping into some news topics here. Croatia, one of the largest petrol providers or gas station providers out there in Croatia, was hit by some ransomware. The company's called INA Group, and they're basically the biggest uh, oil company out there. So this attack took place last Friday on February the 14th, and basically they're saying that this ransomware infected some of the company's back-end servers. Luckily, it didn't affect the ability for them to provide fuel or handle payments, so that's good. Uh, it did, however, affect their ability to issue invoices, do the loyalty card issuance and things like that. 
mobile vouchers, and also allow customers to pay gas utility bills. Uh, natural gas, that is. So I guess it kind of did affect payments a little bit there. But they're saying basically they think it's the CLOP ransomware attack, CLOP. So yet another massive company getting hit by some ransomware there. This time in Croatia. And speaking of cyber attacks and gas companies, there's a U.S. natural gas company. So they're not saying who the natural gas company is in this article. But they're basically saying that the ransomware folks were able to affect the operational technology network, what they call human machine interfaces, data historians, and polling servers. But the good news for this company is that they had their actual operation of the natural gas pumps and regulators and all that good stuff. All those controllers were segmented off of the network that got the ransomware infection. So that's good on them. Of course, this came in via email. <laughs> of course. But I'd say those guys were doing it right if they were able to segment that off and make sure that the actual critical business operations, like providing the actual natural gas, was not actually impacted. So that's really good on them. Of course, you never want to get ransomware anywhere, but hey, at least it didn't take out your business. All right, some other news here about the Citrix hack. Uh, this came out the other day. They were talking about how long these hackers had been inside of uh, Citrix systems. And they said they'd been in there for five months, just poking around and doing basically whatever they wanted to do. Uh, they're saying that they stole social security numbers, tax ID numbers, driver's license numbers, passport numbers, financial account numbers, payment card numbers, uh, limited health claim information, health insurance, participant identification number. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. What, what Citrix doesn't know is how many people uh, were actually affected and how much of this data they actually took, which is unfortunate. But the way these guys got in was through a password spray attack. This seems to be the, also the, I'd say the second biggest threat out there is password sprays. If you have anything externally facing that doesn't have two-factor on it, you're just really exposing yourself to that. If you just absolutely cannot do two-factor, then you better make sure that you're auditing all of your end users' passwords that can access that external system and make sure that the end users don't have a password that's included in some recent data breach. So grab those hashes out of Active Directory or wherever you need to run them against Hashcat, just do a straight dictionary attack using the word lists or the password lists that you can find from the recent data breaches, and make sure none of those are found in your systems. If they are, then those particular users could be easily compromised doing this password spray type of attack on that externally facing system. But password spraying is definitely getting more and more popular because there's more and more of these password lists out there and it just seems to be becoming more and more prevalent out there. Not surprising too, because there's so many 
hacker tools written to perform this kind of password spraying. And they've even got it to where you can oftentimes get around captchas and things like that too. So pretty sophisticated stuff these folks are doing. But again, the biggest mitigation for that is multi-factor. All right, some other news here. This made me laugh. Facebook apparently wants to be audited. Talk about weird. They're asking to be audited. So they've been in Germany, apparently, and they're asking them to go ahead and and audit them. Zuckerberg specifically wanted to be audited like, uh, not like a telco, but not like the newspaper model either. He wanted it to be what they call bespoke uh, audit. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So this goes hand in hand with Germany also wanting social media companies to proactively report illegal content to the police. So that's going to be a little bit of a privacy invasion if you're on one of these social networks. Of course, if you're doing something bad, then that's okay if you get caught in my eyes. But nonetheless, they're going to be watching everything if they're going to have to be able to report any kind of bad activity like this. So this begs the question, if Facebook gets audited by the European Union or by Germany, are you going to trust them any more than you do now? Hmm. <laughs> That'll make you scratch your head for a little bit there. But apparently Facebook's going to comply with Germany and allow uh, some way of reporting bad activity, malicious activity to the police. What that mechanism is on how they're going to find that activity is not disclosed here, unfortunately. But as you can imagine, that means that Facebook is going to have to somehow go in and read messages, you know, use AI to look at pictures and find certain things in pictures. We already know they had some facial recognition stuff. So who knows what else they're going to try to do to find this kind of content uh, to be able to report it to them. All right, on to the next topic here. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world we got yet another warning from the Department of Homeland Security. This was released on February the 19th of this year. And they are warning everybody of infrastructure, critical infrastructure ransomware attacks. <laughs> Where have they been? Oh my gosh. It's funny they have to release these warnings because people should already know about this kind of stuff. I mean, how how do you not hear about ransomware these days affecting all these big companies? But I guess if the Department of Homeland Security says it, then it's much more effective, apparently, than everybody just reading the newspaper. All right, some other news here about the Ring video doorbell. We Recently heard about all those hacks that were happening and people were viewing the cameras in real time and hackers had all these forums where you could pop into anybody's Ring camera and watch everything that's happening. Well, Ring recently rolled out two-factor for everyone. They're basically making everybody use two-factor now. So that's a good move on their part. So if you have a Ring video doorbell, you're going to be prompted to enable two-factor now so get ready for that 
Two-factor is just kind of the new de facto standard now, nowadays with all these password spray attacks. Two-factor is the one thing that will help prevent an account compromise when there is a password spray attack. So it's good that more and more companies are doing this, but it should be the, the standard for everything that you do, especially anything financially related. I mean, I even do it for all my email accounts. You name it. If it'll let me do two-factor, I do it. Like Amazon, on my Amazon shopping account, I do it on there. Uh, anywhere that you can, try to turn on that two-factor. I've also been really getting into the use of uh, a two-factor application called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. It actually allows you to save the two-factor settings and codes and all that good stuff. So when you get a new phone, you don't have to go back out to each and every website and redo your two-factor. So I was using Google Authenticator for a while. And once I got a new phone, I'd have to go back out to all these sites and reset it. The royal pain. And of course, Authy's been around for a while. I just finally started switching over to it and moving everything over to it. It makes life a lot easier. Plus, you can get those two-factor codes on multiple different devices, too. So you don't have to just have your, your one phone to get that two-factor code. You can have a, a tablet where you also get it, for example. All right, the last thing in cybersecurity, the Defense Information Systems Agency, or DISA, uh, they're a part of the Department of Defense Agency. Well, they recently disclosed a data breach. Whoops! I personally uh, like their uh, DISA STIGs. If you go out to the uh, DISA STIGS, you can just search for that on Google. It'll take you right to their STIGs. It's basically just hardening guides on how to really super duper lock down any type of system. It goes from Windows to Linux to Mac to routers, switches, printers, you name it. They go through pretty much everything in those. So, But even with all that, apparently, they're disclosing a data breach. So they're saying this data breach happened between May and July of 2019. And they're still kind of speculating that, uh, at least in the letter they sent out, it says, a DISA system may have been compromised. Uh, on that system was employee personal information, social security numbers, all that kind of fun stuff. But they don't know how many were impacted by this data breach or potential data breach. So, whoops, I guess they weren't following their, their hardening guys or something. <laughs> uh, they didn't say, of course, how these, this hack happened and how they got through, but kind of uh, ironic that they release all those hardening guys and yet they also get hacked. All right, let's jump over to the cryptocurrency world and see what's going on there. Of course, the Bitcoin price dipped way back down to earth and it was a little sad to see that. It dipped way back down to about 9,600. It's kind of floating around 96, 9,800 right now for one Bitcoin. So I guess, uh, you know, hey, the 10,000 was nice while it lasted or 10,3, whatever it was. But, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows. So we'll see if we can continue our uptrend again. There are some reports and speculation that the market is looking more bearish. But I guess we will really see what happens 
nobody really knows what's going to happen there, but certainly sad to see it go back below 10,000. But if you're like me, I'm just sitting there and holding and waiting until it gets up to a certain price before I do anything. All right, so jumping into the cryptocurrency news-related stuff, there's a guy by the name of Eric Voorhees, and he basically had an interview with Coindesk and said that in the next five years, there will be a major financial meltdown, and cryptocurrency will be ready for that meltdown. Now, I don't know if... <laughs> This is pretty outlandish to come out and say that. I don't think that there's going to be a huge financial meltdown, as he's claiming there will be. Now, of course, smaller countries, I could see Bitcoin kind of taking over in smaller countries that don't have a well-established dollar. So, yeah, okay, maybe in smaller countries, sure. But the American dollar, the euro... The, uh, the yen, I don't think those are going anywhere anytime soon. Certainly don't think there's going to be a, a meltdown like he's claiming there's going to be. So in case you don't know who Eric Voorhees is, he's the CEO of a company called Shapeshift, and they allow you to convert cryptocurrency for a fee. So you can convert from one to the other pretty quickly using their platform. Of course, they charge you a little fee for it, but that's... The business that he owns, or created, I should say. And so he's looked at as kind of one of the thought leaders in cryptocurrency. So I'll, I'll post the article uh, to the show notes here. It's a pretty long interview that they had with him. Uh, they talked a little bit about Facebook, Libra, and all kinds of other things. Nothing in there really told me that there was going to be some major financial catastrophe anytime soon, but I'll let you be the judge and you can read that article as well. All right, some other news here. This one was pretty cool. I've, I've played a few of these Ethereum-based games and they were okay. You know, not bad. This one was pretty cool. Right now it's only available on desktop, unfortunately, but it's called Decentraland. And it just launched on February, I think, 19th or 20th. Uh, so it's very, very new, uh, basically public beta, essentially. But it's running on the Ethereum blockchain, and it's basically just this big virtual reality world that you can wander around in and do all kinds of interesting things. Now, you can, of course, find, they're doing right now like a treasure hunt kind of thing where you can find... Uh, various things and make a little bit of crypto out of it and also just purchase other in in-game items uh, so they're kind of comparing it a little bit to world of warcraft but that's of course way far from that but essentially you you buy virtual property in this virtual reality world and uh, try to have as much as you possibly can it's pretty interesting i i tinkered around with it a little bit uh, it was cool. The graphics were actually quite good, surprisingly, for especially for just a web app game. But it was pretty cool. Uh, you connect it to an Ethereum wallet. You don't have to pay anything to initially get started. So that was kind of cool, too. I just kind of tinkered around and wandered around a little bit. And if you like, you know, killing some time and, and doing that kind of thing, then this might just be the right thing for you, especially once it comes to the phone. I think that'll be... 
another huge boost to this game. Most of the games that we see, at least nowadays, are gambling-based games. And those are all in the D-Apps store, decentralized app store. And a lot of those also run on Ethereum. But this one's actually not gambling. So, hey, a little bit different there. So anyway, check that out. It's called Decentraland. I'll post the link in the show notes. All right, some other news here about Bitcoin Gold. Bitcoin Gold is yet another spinoff of Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, you name it, right? So apparently with Bitcoin Gold, somebody is a massive whale, apparently, and, and they're able to essentially manipulate the price because they control almost half of the circulating supply of Bitcoin Gold. So they are essentially using all of those or all that crypto to manage the market and basically do what they want to with the market. So this is where ethics come into play a little bit. And if you can make the market go up and down, wow, imagine what you could do if you had the power to make it go up and go down, man. So anyway, they're saying that uh, basically this whale transferred... Uh, all kinds of Bitcoin gold around, and and it looks like the, the whale dumped the majority of them on Bitfinex. So anyway, they're also seeing some recent uh, price jumps and then some huge fall-offs uh, with Bitcoin gold. So watch out for that one. If you hold any Bitcoin gold, might be a little cautious there. Who knows what these whales are going to do and what their motives are. You would think, though, if you can control the market and make it go up or down, you'd think you'd want to, you know, hang on to what you got and continue to make it go up. But one can only hope, unfortunately. All right, some other news here in crypto. There was recently what's called a flash loan attack where a crypto exchange, I want to say it was, lost a whole bunch of money. Basically, these flash loans, they're calling them, allows you to borrow money without putting up any collateral. So what could go wrong, right? <laughs> so you basically borrow money with collateral and you pay it back all in the same transaction. Uh, this also runs on the Ethereum blockchain as well. So it's using smart contracts. So you borrow and pay it back all within the same transaction. Talk about weird, right? But you can borrow with no collateral up front and I guess just keep the profits, potentially. The service that basically lost all kinds of money is called DeFi, D-E-F-I. So I'll post this article to the show notes. There's a big, long interview with uh, one of the guys that was basically a, a figurehead over there and he knows all about these flash loans, but... I've never heard of these before, so I cannot speak intelligently on it. But it certainly sounds like it's, you know, ripe for attacking. <laughs> and apparently that's exactly what happened with these flash loan attacks. Now we have other sites like BitMEX, Bitfinex that allow you to do uh, leverage trading, but you still have to put up some collateral. So, but with this other one, you do not have to have a collateral. You borrow and pay it back all at once. That just, uh, it's, 
Seems really weird to me. Uh, some other quick news here. Binance had to suspend trading uh, on Wednesday due to a problem with their data feed. So that was pretty interesting there. A huge, giant exchange like Binance having to shut down all of a sudden was, was a pretty big deal. They're, of course, up and running now, but that was definitely a big deal when it happened. All right, some other news about Coinbase. They have recently become a Visa Principal member. So what does that mean? That means you can get a Coinbase Visa card and go to any store you want, pay for things using your crypto in your Coinbase account, and it'll act like just like it's a Visa card. So anywhere that Visa is accepted, you can spend this money. So... That's pretty cool. We don't see a lot of companies getting that access yet. So this is a, a recent occurrence now. So you can get a Coinbase Visa card and spend it anywhere Visa is accepted. So interesting stuff. I'm not real sure that I would necessarily want to do that personally, but I'm sure some people do. But for me, the price goes up and down so much, I don't really want to keep you know, all of my funds in Coinbase, to, especially knowing that the price could go way down, then I may not have as much money as I thought I did when I'm going out to buy things. So, unless, of course, you buy stablecoin, which you can also do on Coinbase. So, anyway, that was pretty cool. They're, they're basically the first crypto uh, company that was granted that uh, Visa principal membership. So, pretty slick. Congrats to them. All right, some other news here. This is kind of a crossover story, but hackers attacked IOTA's Trinity wallet, and the company had to shut down the entire network. Talk about crazy, right? These guys were attacking their wallet, and of course it's an online wallet, unfortunately, and they stole pretty much all of the funds. And how they did it is they exploited, of course, a vulnerability on iota's network and boom there you go took all their money of course police and law enforcement are now involved in this since it was such a a big loss there i'm trying to find how much they said that they lost in total but i don't see a u.s dollar figure they are saying about one million iota coins or more so i don't know what that equates to but boom <laughs> Hackers made off with all kinds of IOTA coin. All right, probably the last thing here in crypto. There was this article that came out on Forbes the other day, and it was all doom and gloom and Bitcoin's going to fail kind of article. Uh, the, the, or the headline is, Big blow to Bitcoin as significant U.S. crypto crackdown suddenly revealed. Well, reading through this entire article, there's no huge crypto crackdown. The only thing that they cite in this article is the guy that got busted for what they're now calling money laundering because he created and developed a Bitcoin mixer service. Bitcoin mixing is where you take in a bunch of Bitcoins, you do billions of transactions to mask where those funds came from and where they're going. This is a very common tactic used by 
hackers that steal Bitcoin. So I'm sure hackers that also get Bitcoin from ransomware, I'm sure they do the same thing. There are plenty of mixers out there on the web, not just this one, but a guy named Larry Harmon is the, the one that they cited in this article. But that's really it. <laughs> there's nothing else in here that says there's some major crackdown. Uh, aside from this one guy that got arrested for his Bitcoin mixer. So I was a little disappointed in Forbes for coming out with something like that, especially with a, a headline that, like that make you think that, oh no, Bitcoin's going to die. But I guess that's why you actually have to read the articles, right? Go figure. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.